0: The song you're hearing is Michaela Ann's I'm Only Human. In the middle of making her newest record, Michaela Ann's life went through a series of rapid changes. She became pregnant with and gave birth to her first child, and her mother had a major hemorrhagic stroke. Michaela spent the second half of her pregnancy sitting by her mom's bedside in Michigan, playing these new songs for her. They became a source of comfort, introspection, and healing during a moment that was fraught with anxiety and unknowing. As fate would have it, Michaela Ann's new album, Oh To Be That Free, is filled with songs that examine the things that make us human. Things like the flaws that we learn to love in ourselves, and the ways that we need to learn to love others in the ways that they need to be loved, not the ways that we want them to be. As she watched her mom recover and her daughter's first few months in the world, Michaela had written the album that she needed to hear. And I think it's one a lot of us may need to hear after several years of turbulence and turmoil. Today on The Reckon Interview, I sit down with the Nashville-based singer-songwriter to talk about her upcoming album. Anne will even get a sneak peek of her upcoming single, Does It Ever Break Your Heart. Michaela Ann is one of the most exciting, thoughtful artists in country music today. Her last album, Desert Dove, was named one of Rolling Stone's 10 Best Country Albums in 2019. She's an incredible storyteller, and I hope you find this conversation and this album as engaging and comforting as I did. So let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode of The Reckon Interview. Michaela Ann, welcome to The Reckon Interview.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: We are here to talk about your new album, Oh, To Be That Free, which is coming out June 10th. And you released your last album, Desert Dove, in 2019. It was your most critically acclaimed album to date. Uh, it was one of Rolling Stone's picks for best country album of the year. This was your big breakthrough album. And then things kind of started to fall apart. <laughs> Obviously, on a global scale, they were unraveling with COVID-19 pandemic, but also for you, on a personal scale. Can you tell me a little bit about what you were going through after that last album?
1: Yeah, leading up to the pandemic, you know, things were feeling really good. It felt like, oh, my career was finally starting all the, you know, all the ducks were in a row, things were finally starting to line up. And it was really feeling like that, like, oh, yeah, my dreams are like, all the hard work is paying off and my dreams are coming true. Um, And then obviously everything was taken away and stopped. And then I think a year into the pandemic, I started making a new record. Then I was, got pregnant, but that was intentional. Life didn't fall apart with that, but (laughs) it's wonderful, but presents more challenges with having a a career. But then in in the middle of my pregnancy, my mom, who I'm very close to, suffered a hemorrhagic stroke. And it was a pretty massive stroke where she was in a coma um, and with her lost her entire right side and her ability to speak. So a year and a month past the stroke, and she's still not fully recovered. Recovery is still like a full-time. It has consumed obviously her and my dad's life. Thank God my parents are still together. And my dad is a really uh, devoted partner and his whole life has changed. He's become her, her, 24-7 24-7 caretaker, but obviously that just waylaid my life completely. Um, so it's offered, I, I spent the whole second half of my pregnancy in Michigan at the hospital with with my mom and gave birth to my first daughter without my mom ever come, being able to come to visit, um, being able to help in any way. Uh, so it's been a really traumatic year that I think anytime you go through something really life-altering and life-threatening it kind of changes your perspective on everything and also becoming a parent changes your perspective on everything so my whole emotional relationship and to my career and to music has has really changed since I since I put desert dove out so yeah that's kind of in a nutshell what what has been going on the past year in my personal life
0: let's talk about the timeline of it a little bit because you were pregnant when you started writing and recording this album and you had already recorded most of the songs by the time your mom went into the hospital is that right
1: yeah we had recorded everything and I I've made this record with my husband Aaron Schaefer Hayes he was first a drummer and then has evolved into a Really talented multi instrumentalist and producer. So we produced it together and we had finished recording and it was in the mixing process when my mom had her stroke. So I was all done with it, but I was still really living with the songs and then listening to mixing rounds throughout that experience. Well,
0: and so much of this album is about, you know, the ways that we're all connected with each other and kind of loving each other for who we are, uh, not who we want each other to be surrendering yourself to forces beyond your control, which sounds like it was the album that you maybe needed in that moment. How did your relationship to the songs change, you know, how you were bedside with your mom?
1: Yeah. I mean, I had leading up to writing this record, I had gone through some tumultuous stuff in my personal life and my relationship and writing these songs was kind of my, the aftermath of that um, and trying to get healthy myself and then going through an experience of one, you know, becoming pregnant and growing a child and then sitting at a hospital bed where my mom is unconscious and in a coma and we have no idea if she's going to survive or when, if she does survive, if she'll ever speak or move again, that like, I it's I feel like the English language doesn't have like sufficient words to really describe what those experiences are like. So the songs for me just grew in depth so much. Songs like who you are which is about trying to be, you know, trying to see the people that we love for who they need to be and that was a huge lesson for me with my mom when I always had to kind of set aside like I wanted my mom to be capable and healthy to be there for me because I was pregnant and I was about to become a mom. And I always envisioned that time that my mom would be taking care of me. Um, and the roles were dramatically reversed. She can't, she hasn't been able to do that for over a year. And I was instead standing in a hospital advocating for her, like writing down all of her meds and like becoming the caretaker and then watching my dad, they've been together since they were 16 years old. and. It's such an incredible thing to watch a relationship evolve where you, you know, you fall in love with somebody because you think they're attractive and then you're drawn to different things about them. And you never expect that one day you're going to be, and very young too, she'd only turned 63 to then all of a sudden now be bathing your partner and, you know, taking them to the bathroom and dressing them and doing every single thing that is really, really (laughs) heart. That's, you know, it's hard to not be like, what about me? (laughs) And so my songs really kind of, for me, helped me. They were all like little reminders because I had already been like ruminating on like how to be more selflessly in this world for our close relationships, but also recognizing how deeply connected we all are, even the people that we don't want to be connected with. I believe in that in such a massive way that better or worse. We all depend on each other. So those were already the themes that were brewing for me. And then my experience just, it was like, okay, you were thinking about this stuff. Let me give you like the most intense, you know, in-depth experience to deepen this, these thoughts and ideas of really learning about life in a really raw form.
0: I know you grew up in a military family and that you and your dad and your mom traveled kind of around the world, lived in various places. You mentioned that they were high school sweethearts. You know, what was y'all's relationship like growing up? You know, what do you remember about your mom when you were younger?
1: Yeah, so my mom was a stay-at-home mom. We moved every other year. So the narrative that I always heard growing up was that my mom had been, you know, had been on the career path and she gave it all up to marry my dad and made the decision to not have a career because it felt too hard to move all the time. And my dad was out to sea for six months out of the year. So she didn't want her children to grow up with two parents away. So she, you know, that was like the, the story. And I always understood that the sentiment was that she didn't regret any of her choices in life. She believes family and, and parenting is the most important thing. But there was also, you know, some, I think some sorrow of not getting to a life that wasn't lived. And that's really informed me as a woman and the, just the sacrifices that traditionally women make more often, but growing up, I never was, I wasn't aware of any like resentment. She was the best mom. Like she, you know, we were, she was always with us, um, so my my mom and my brother and I were really a trio. I kind of felt bad for my dad sometimes because he would come home after like being a commanding officer on a nuclear submarine. His little like five year old daughter would be like, "You can't tell me what to do." <laughs> but I also I loved my dad. There you know, there's videos of of me as a three year old like not letting my mom do anything and saying no, only dad. So I I have a really fond fond memories of of both my parents. I've always been very close to, to both of them.
0: You mentioned your mom having potentially some, you know, bittersweet regrets about being a stay-at-home mom. In a statement that you put out for this new album, you talked about chasing other people's definitions of success because you didn't feel like you could trust your own. Is that tied into that, you know, this need to quote-unquote succeed in the music business because of that relationship with your mom, you think?
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe not on a super conscious level, but I I definitely came up and I don't even know if it was her intent, but I I kind of internalized a message of as a woman, okay, I'm going to put my career first and I need to be established before I can start a family and I need to be independent and I'm not going to be a stay at home mom and, you know, have a relationship where I'm second fiddle to my husband, that type of thing. So, it's taken me a long time, I think, to work through of there's nuance and balance that you and you know that you have to discover and and design for yourself and with your partner. But, yeah, my ideas of success and what success looks like have definitely changed, especially in the music business, which is honestly like a very uh, can be very toxic, very hard to navigate like very. Fickle,d So I noticed the ways that like putting so much focus on these numbers that we all have been trained to value, whether it's our social media numbers, our streaming numbers, our ticket sale numbers, whatever that was leading me to have a, a, an unhealthy relationship with myself and music and not have a happy life or make good decisions. My priorities have definitely shifted in that regard.
0: We had our first child not long after you had yours. I think they're a few months apart. And yeah, I, I can certainly relate to the idea of constantly chasing numbers, whether it's podcast downloads or page views or things like that in this field. And then all of a sudden you're a caretaker and and your priorities change because, you know, the time that you have in the day change. And I can't imagine, you know, that experience of taking care of both a newborn daughter as well as your mom and both of them being in different stages of life. Have you been able to find some joy in those moments? You know, the first laugh uh, that your daughter has or, or, you know, your mom successfully doing something that she maybe hadn't been able to do.
1: Completely. I've thought about this a lot in that this, you know, the, the past year of, of my mom having a stroke was by far the most painful year of my life. But what I didn't under, understand was just the extreme joy that also comes with experiencing deep pain um, when the joy does return. And obviously having a little new baby, there's so much joy in in a baby and like they're, you know, watching them develop. It's been so extreme, just the laughter of like getting, you know, seeing your baby laugh for the first time or recognize things for the first time. And yes, with, with my mom, I was actually just writing about this the other day of like, especially in the beginning, the small little things felt like such massive miracles. I'll never forget the day that she moved her thumb for the first time. She, you know, had just kind of started to begin speaking again. And like, I was, they wouldn't let you stay overnight at the hospital. So I was leaving at the end of the night and I was like, I was always leaving after, you know, the visitation time was done. And I kept like saying goodbye to her and I saw her little thumb move. And I was like, mom, did you just move your thumb? And my mom is very, she's not one to celebrate herself or, you know, she's a very behind the scenes, like don't fluff over me. And she just looked at me and was like, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, mom, you moved your thumb. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I've, I've learned. Yeah. Just with, with deep heartache comes great joy when it, when it returns
0: taking care of a child full-time and taking care of your mother, at least part-time, if not full-time can drain a lot out of you. So how are you taking care of yourself?
1: Well, I'm lucky that I have an incredibly supportive partner. He's very focused on that type of stuff and wanting to make sure that I, he reminds me all the time. If I don't, if we don't care for ourselves, then there's really nothing left. And I have to say, you know, uh, the last several months since since my daughter was born I haven't been able to go be with my family as much I go like every other month and try to help out but I don't want to take away from my my dad and my brother and my mom's siblings who it's been such a, a larger family effort to help her um, and I have a lot of a guilt about that as well but when I am there I help out as much as I can but yeah I think so self, the self-care is like it's been an again a lesson of Even a few minutes actually does make a difference. Just walking around the block for 10 minutes can really shift perspective. So that's kind of, those are the things, some exercise, a bath, you know, a little, I'm obsessed with Tara Brock, who's a mindfulness, has a podcast and Western Buddhist teacher listening to her. Those little things really help rejuvenate me.
0: What did you learn about yourself while working on this album? You know, I know that you deliberately chose your close friends and your husband to work together with you on the production. And, you know, it's very intimate, very introspective. And, you know, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about all of this that you've gone through since writing the album and producing it, because so much of what you write about and sing about relates to these experiences. But I'm curious, you know, what you learned in the process of creating it.
1: I had like a big realization that which was surprising to me because honestly, I kind of always thought of myself as a confident person in my abilities. But I realized I've spent a lot of time seeking outside validation and seeking you know, outside producers, outside writers to basically tell me like, okay, yeah, what you're doing is good enough or I'll make this good enough. And I realized I started dating my husband when we were 20, 21 years old. So I realized I had kind of, enveloped him into my insecurities. <laughs> he didn't count as an out- outside person. So working with him musically was really scary to me because I thought, well, who's going to make this good? Who's going to tell us like, you don't count because you're just an extension of me, <laughs> which was a cute, you know, when I shared this with him, he was like, okay, that kind of sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, like, I'm glad you're working through this. So you know, it was a leap of faith of like of really understanding that about myself, identifying, you know, this whole kind of time period has been a lot about identifying and embracing the things that I would maybe think of are, as as negative about myself because I think that there's so much growth and strength in owning everything about ourselves even when we could you know, put it in the box of negative characteristics or character flaws. And that makes me feel so much more confident in the process. So that was a a big learning lesson through this. And it's kind of been over and over again, this, this strength in do what you can with what you have. You don't need to go, you know, try to find the the best whatever person to tell me that I'm good or the best, you know, videographer. It's been a lot of like, Hey, we're, we're creators. Let's do, you know, this is, this is good because it's true. That's been a a lot of the lessons through this time.
0: Well, in the lead single off of the album, I'm only human, you know, on on first listen, it sounds like you're being very hard on yourself, but you're also kind of giving yourself permission and kind of the grace to to love yourself, despite, you know, in your words, and I don't know if you're writing this as you or if you're writing this as a character, but I'm selfish and unstable, I'm emotional and wild, I'm hateful, but, you know, you, you end it with I'm only human. And it sounds like you're talking to to a partner in this, in this song.
1: I wrote it with two other writers, Maddie Diaz and Kate York. And Maddie is a really close friend of mine. Um, I had only really, I had only met Kate on that session. Maddie and, and a bunch of my other, girlfriends, we all talk about the same stuff all the time. And it is like struggling with all of those feelings, depending on the day I am jealous and jaded and hateful and whatever at different times, but that doesn't mean I, I am those things. I feel those things. Um, so I had a a therapist years ago who I remember I was going through like right out of college, like struggling with feeling jealous and not knowing what to do with myself. And, then feeling so guilty for feeling those things, feeling so bad about myself for feeling jealous of a friend. And I remember the therapist being like, okay, like everybody feels those things. It's what you do with that feeling. So let yourself feel it, honor it, and then let it go. If, you know, if then you're like mean to that person because they're jealous, like then there's the issue. Like let's just, I think honoring that we all struggle with so many of these same feelings and we're not bad for it It has been a big process.
0: One of my favorite songs off of this album, who you are, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier with your mom, but it's about loving people for who who they are and not who you want them to be. That's a beautiful idea. It seems very hard to put into practice, you know, do you have any advice for how to do that? I guess.
1: You know, when I again, I, as I mentioned earlier, this changed a lot of meaning through the, the experience with my mom. But when I wrote it, I wrote it thinking about my partner, but also even with strangers, because this was, I think, I'm trying to remember when I wrote. I started writing it in 2018. So for me, my my experience, you know, the Trump era, it was just like the beginning of just so much division that was just, was also like tearing families apart and it's just progressed and gotten deeper and things have gotten crazier. And I think a lot about how to have positive change in the world to feel more inclusive. I I don't think that happens through screaming at each other. So part of that story for me was also like, how can I see strangers who i violently disagree with on certain topics and think that, you know, how am I supposed to be tolerant of their intolerance, you know, and their beliefs that are trying to hurt other people? How can I still find a way to love them because they are humans on this earth and we have to cooperate with each other. This isn't giving any advice of how to do that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, are there, I guess, limits to that? You know, what if the way that somebody needs to be loved involves you, uh, having to kind of supplement part of yourself or, or subordinate part of yourself, you know, you're talking about like the being tolerant of other people's intolerance.
1: Yeah. I believe more than ever in boundaries, (laughs) setting boundaries. And I think you can love people from afar. I do think that you can, you can decide like, I really disagree with somebody or I think this, you know, this person is damaging or their beliefs are damaging and I'm going to fight to change these things or whatever, but I I want always to strive for it to come from a place of love and to still love those people. And and for instance like what I'm specifically thinking of are people who are, you know, working so hard to you know, pass laws that hurt trans kids and, you know, people who are Homophobic and people attacking women's rights. And that stuff honestly en- enrages me. And, but the thing that I ultimately want to do is I want those people's minds to change, to have more compassion and empathy and not be fearful of something and other people that they don't understand. Therefore, not want to spend their lives creating laws that endanger others. And how am I ever going to do that if I just, and filled with rage and hatred towards them. These are goals cuz I don't I don't know <laughs> how to do those things. <laughs> That's why I write songs.
0: <laughs> Coming up after the break, more from Michaela Ann and a bit of her upcoming single Does It Ever Break Your Heart. Hey, guys, if you've been listening to this interview and you wanted to jump in with ideas of your own, then you may want to sign up for The Conversation, our weekly newsletter that dives into some of the topics that we raise on the show and other issues in the South. You can sign up for it at reckonsouth.com slash newsletters. You have a new single that's coming out in a few days. It's called Does It Ever Break Your Heart? Why don't we listen to a little bit of that real quick?
1: You got a table on the patio Against my better judgment
0: What can you tell us about this song?
1: Yeah, this song was one of those songs that kind of just fell out, which is nice when that happens. It just kind of appeared and including at the end, there's this kind of vocal part that overlaps and kind of creates what in my mind feels like, I don't know, like a musical, like tornado in a sense, a cyclone feeling. Yeah. And it just, you know, it kind of plays like a little movie in my head of, you know, being in a relationship And that, you know, is not good for you and getting to a place where you have, have the strength and confidence to finally walk away. But that tension and that push and pull that can be so enticing, but toxic is, is really kind of what this, this song is about. And, you know, ultimately deciding, like kind of referencing what we were talking about, somebody who you need to set a boundary with and not, you can love them from afar and not be up close. (laughs)
0: The title of the album, "O oh, to Be That Free, comes from, I think, one of the songs on the album, which is sort of reminiscing about how carefree we are as children and this kind of idea of, of living in the moment. It's beautiful because it seems to have three generations of women in that song and is a nice kind of bow on that relationship with you and your daughter and, and your mom. Tell us about that one and, and why you chose it as the title of the album.
1: So the song is "O oh, to Be That Free again, but the record is "O oh, to Be That Free And the song is, it's a true story. I mentioned in the song, um, the little girl being called from the porch, her name is Tiger Rose. And that's a, Tiger Rose is a real person. My husband is from Maine and his cousin, his cousins are farmers and their little girl is named Tiger Rose. And every time I go up there, I'm just kind of enamored with, she's just like a a little wild farm girl that's so comfortable with the animals and, and I didn't grow up that way. So one summer she was running around half naked and her grandmother was standing next to me and said, Oh, to be that free again. And I literally was just, it felt like a, you know, a bolt of, of light came through me and I was like, Oh, that's a song. (laughs) So that song, I started it. And then when the pandemic happened, it was the first time we had lived in our house for a couple of years, but I had never seen spring here because I was always on tour. So it was the first year that I was like seeing what blooms in April and May in my backyard. And I was really like sinking into and embracing that beauty. And I finished, I finished the song. And again, like the song just carries so much more meaning me having a little girl of my own now. And anytime I think about the way that I live my life, I think, how do I want to raise my daughter? What kind of life do I want her to aspire to have? And what kind of things do I want her to value? Do I want her to value scrolling Instagram all the time and like, <laughs> you know, looking at how many likes she got and like, or do I want her to feel like the freedom of running around in the backyard and knowing how to identify trees and flowers? And, you know, that's my ideals. it kind of again these are all kind of like blueprints for like when I get very easily caught up in the things that I don't think are ultimately good which is very easy to do in, in modern life a lot of these songs on on the record are are reminders for me of how I want to live like within my value system and integrity
0: you're about to tour again will that be the first time you've toured since before the pandemic or have you been touring
1: yeah, so I think when this comes out, I will. I'm looking at the calendar. I will have just finished a two week two week tour with the Milk Carton Kids, which I'm very excited about. So I'm sure if we were, you know, if it was post Milk Carton Kids, I'm sure I'll say, "Oh, it was wonderful," and <laughs> they're so funny.
0: You know, this will be your first tour, I guess, as a mom or as a parent, I guess I should say. I know people always ask that question just of of, of women, but, you know, this will be your first tour as a a parent. How are you feeling about, will your daughter be able to go with you? Will you be apart for two weeks?
1: No, we're bringing her with, with me. And, you know, I do think, you know, I've known a lot of men who tour who have kids and for the most part, they don't bring their kids with them. So it is a valid, it is really different for mom, especially when they're very young babies, especially if you're breastfeeding, it's just so much harder to be away from them. So I think that's, you know, valid gender does come into play in different, you know, contexts. She'll come with us. I've done like a three date run in the past where I took her, but this time my husband's coming with us, thankfully. um, And he's, he's coming just just as dad and taking care of her. So that feels very comforting, but yeah, it's a different, it's so much more exhausting. I'm like excited, but also like, oh wow, two weeks with, I think there's only one day off. So it's going to, I I pray she sleeps, <laughs> you know, but she's a great traveler. But yeah, it's just like, there's so much more. I have a lot of friends who I really admire who are moms, um, who've given so much guidance and Layla McCalla, who is based out of New Orleans, Eva Donovan you know, all of the tips of like, what time do you do bedtime? Do you do the venue? Do you do, you know, all these logistics, like, do you pump? Do you breastfeed? Like, it's, it's just so much more energy and time that I really do feel like my goal is, and my, my friend, Laura Cortese has talked about this, that she wants to talk about this stuff publicly because she doesn't want young girls to grow up and think, oh, I, I want to do that. Then I couldn't have kids or I want to have kids, so I can't have that career. It's not set up for us, but I think there's a lot of us who want to create a culture to do that because it's, it's really, I want to see and hear and consume more art by women. So I want a culture that supports them to be able to have the time and the energy to create beyond just their family life.
0: One last question. You know, there's I mean, I think this is a record that a lot of people are going to find a lot of comfort in, you know, in terms of the themes that you're talking about. What are some words of advice or comfort that you would offer to them or even that you would offer to yourself, you know, when you were writing it three years ago?
1: I think one of the biggest things I try and emulate is, and I think a lot of what I'm what I've been working through with the themes of this record is that it's so easy to feel alone in our experiences. But so many of us experience so many of the same things. So finding ways to connect with others and find, you know, those who can see us or empathize. That's what I want to nurture and offer that like, that's my that's my whole purpose. in being a musician is not necessarily to entertain people, but to create spaces where I'm vulnerable and honest in my sharing, because that to me is what gives me when i witness that it gives me the permission and the comfort to be that as well trying to offer spaces where telling people it's okay to feel the things that they feel and and share
0: well thank you so much Uh, and everybody go grab a copy of this record on june 10th
1: thank you so much
0: And that's our show, folks. Thank you to Michaela Ann for making the time to speak with us. Her new album, "O To Be That Free, will be available from Yep Rock Records on June 10th. Her new single, Does It Ever Break Your Heart, is out in just a few days on April 29th. You can learn more at MichaelaAnn.com. The The Reckon Interview is executive produced and hosted by me, John Hammondtree. It's edited by Kanika Cotrington and the great team at Edit Audio. The song you're hearing to close the show is Who You Are. All the songs featured in today's episodes are for Michaela Ann's new album. And until next time, thanks for reckoning with us.